Welcome to EduWeather, a podcast discussing the hot issues in Scottish education. In this episode, we take you through Scottish Education's PRD. The professional review and development will focus on what has gone well, what's been challenging, what next, and what support will be needed in the year ahead. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest. And you can read our blog at edgeofweather.wordpress.com. In the news in this episode, the International Council of Education Advisors have cautiously welcomed the regional improvement collaboratives as a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Um, These eight new regional improvement collaboratives were introduced earlier on this year to try and bring a lot more collaboration a collaboration to the system. Also in the news in this episode, uh, a record number of children in Scotland are reporting feelings of loneliness, uh, and this number is on the rise. The number of children who called a helpline because they were experiencing feelings of loneliness has risen by 37% in the past year, and new figures have shown. Um, Childline delivered counselling sessions to 272 children in Scotland who felt lonely, and that's up from 199 in the previous year. Um, I just think that's a really sad statistic and I think it was it's worth bringing that to the fore here to, to mention that because mental health for children is a really big issue. We need to think about it. Mm. And the education bill has been shelved by the Scottish Parliament and the Deputy First Minister. John Swinney, the Deputy First Minister, is now relying on an agreement with the local authorities and COSLA to implement on a voluntary basis shared collaborative working and the improvements he wants to see in Scottish education. He says if there's no improvement, he will bring the the bill back to the Scottish Parliament and force um, improvement across the system. The good news is the GTCS has been saved and won't become the Educational Workforce Council for Scotland. And Education Scotland will monitor the progress of local authorities working collaboratively and report back throughout the next year. So we are now into our second week of our summer holidays and while, we're, <laughs> and while we were thinking of what we were wanting to do for an episode um, that was going to be going out in the summer holidays, we racked our brains, we were trying to think of something really funny and interesting and clever uh, and we couldn't, so really, we did. <laughs> yeah, couldn't really come up with anything but what we've decided to do is a very fancy, given that it's the end of year... We've decided to do a bit of a take on the old PRD process. I love a good PRD. Fill us in, Jason. Explain the concept. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a review of the year. Um, As you know, um, as a professional, you would do an annual review. We've decided here at EduBlether, we are going to do a review, a PRD for Scottish education. So we'll talk about what's gone well in the past 12 months, what's been challenging, what are the next steps and what support is needed. So at the end of it, hopefully we've given a broad overview of, of kind of what's gone well and what next. Yeah, I like it. And I feel that maybe at this point we should say that we have taken legal advice and some, <laughs> some of the, this might get opinionated. And at that point we're, we might be given some of our opinions. We might, these, anything you hear on this show is our opinion. 
Yeah, and we don't always agree either. No, so that's we don't important. always agree. Quite often, don't yeah. agree actually, Jason. And I. So yes, it'll be <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, but, but especially when it comes to that sort of what support will be needed, what are our next steps? So just a really interesting opportunity for us to reflect on how things have gone for Scottish education at the moment. And when we're talking about Scottish education, we're thinking about all stakeholders that yeah. are involved in that process. So it's not just an opportunity for us to be taking the mickey out of the, the, the people that are leading policy and making no. legislative change. Actually, what we're doing is we're thinking about what's gone well across the whole board. So all stakeholders, yeah. teachers, learners, parents, as well as politicians and policymakers as well. So Definitely. Um, that's the idea behind it. Okay, so first question then in your PRD is what's gone well in the past 12 months? So this is an interesting one. Immediately when I was thinking about what's gone well, I think a, a large proportion of what I've been doing and a big part of um, working with other schools and reading lots of stuff in the news has been PEF, yeah. um, the People Equity Fund, and how that has um, been renewed again for next mm-hmm. year. So there's further additional spend being put in there. And this is just on... The, 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 the funding that schools are getting and, and to do projects that are really meaningful for them and their learners in their communities I think there's a lot that I really disagree about mm. it. it's a huge amount of money that's going into Scottish it's education like massive huge amounts going directly to head teachers and the cynic in me is mm. it all being spent appropriately would mm-hmm. be a question and no it can't be when I think statistically you would say that it's not and I yeah. think there is an accountability mm-hmm. and I think that's what's going really well and I think it's been done with the best intentions in, the, in that saying you know the children best yeah. you're a statutory body here and that you see the children on, on a very regular basis you have the, that capacity to be able to reduce that gap mm-hmm. and it's just this this aspirational thing that we will eradicate child poverty by 2030, 2031 mm-hmm. I think that's amazing, and they have to do something. So you I'm can't not, argue I'm with it. You really can't argue with it. But, but what, I think the process. Yeah. Maybe there's some holes like the fact that it's based on free school meals. Is that a good measure of poverty? Um, yeah. I think the amount of money. Like my biggest worry is. Is the money being used appropriately? Are people just getting to the end of a year and going? oh man, I need to spend £100,000, we'll just go blah and yep. just spend it on this, this and this. And actually they've not thought it through. But I'm taking the cynic out of you here because we're Good at the what's going well just now. We are. And for me, there has been so much that has gone well. Absolutely. And there's loads of challenges there, but I know for a fact and been able to 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 track it, been able to see the difference, been using a full range of metrics to be able to see the impact that it's having. I've been involved personally in several projects that have been funded by PEF. I spoke to several colleagues who all have similar stories. And actually, yes, we can point to all the negative parts of it. And I'm sure if we were speaking to colleagues from other sectors, they'd Mm -hmm. be able to fill us in on negatives from their perspectives. But just now, for me, there, there are loads of positives that come out from it. Definitely. And I think, you know, my personal experience of it in school I work in, it's been hugely beneficial. So PEF is up there on something that has gone well over the last 12 months. Yeah. The other thing I'd want to focus on is probably the focus by the Scottish government, by unions, by employers, 
on workload and trying to reduce workload because I think that's been a real stressor and I think the fact that we're now talking about workload and you know we're reflecting on right what can we stop doing now I think that's a real positive that we're now thinking in that way because we just can't keep going on and on and on and mm. doing everything. So I think that's a positive. And this is a message that's coming right from the top and messages coming from Education Scotland with really simple advice mm-hmm. saying, do not be doing unnecessary paperwork. Yep. Do not be doing very long and drawn out plans. And it's very specific advice yeah. that is that's that, that sort of that document i'm sure we've all seen it by now the one that's with the do's and the do nots yeah it's very very much of the opinion that you shouldn't be doing all this extra work now that again when we're thinking about the the, the things that are wrong with that that it's, there's still so much that's put on the plate of a teacher for instance mm. and so much that they do have to do that yes a sort of tokenistic thing almost saying well but don't do this and don't do that but here's another five jobs that I'm going to give you that are bigger than the jobs that I'm taking yeah. away but I think that there is that essential move towards taking away this unnecessary bureaucracy that was oh, taking up a huge definitely. amount of time and it's been a positive and we're going to stay positive yes we are and this is, this is starting out bad isn't it <laughs> yeah. two cynical Scots <laughs> so, and the other thing I think we've got to recognise is the huge focus on inclusion and also the wider understanding of our diverse childhood experiences. I think that has been amazing to see that people are... I mean, it it sounds crazy that that wasn't there already, but I think that's an amazing thing that as a... As a profession, we're focused on that. And for me, honestly, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about it a bit later on, but I was at the Portobello Learning Festival that were, that was all about sort of trauma-informed education and adverse childhood experiences. And a big point they were making there was that the the, the bid to kind of reduce the attainment gap is going to fail, mm-hmm. categorically will fail, unless we have an understanding of inclusion and adverse mm-hmm. childhood experiences. And I think the fact that it's it will be a part of school improvement plans across the country Mm -hmm. this trauma-informed education becoming a more inclusive nurturing environment because our understanding of not only that this is happening because i think we were always aware that there was sort of inequity there was things happening where children were experiencing um adverse childhood experiences i think that this isn't new but i think what is new is the impact that has on their brains the impact that has on their their biological makeup and how they act Actually, are as people, and I think that's the the change and the really interesting thing for us. So for me, that's that's it's the biggest thing that that's really coming into the, uh, the fore in terms of education converse parlance. Definitely. <laughs> uh, another positive over yeah. the last twelve months, I would say, the fact that we have introduced a wee hagias so that young people are now involved in school improvement. So building on the how good is our school for document for. For professionals, we now have something that's user-friendly, it's accessible for young people, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that being used over the next year. I think I think that's amazing as well, because actually, again, it's just, it's about moving away from this, this imbalance, I think, that has been, certainly from when I was at school, mm-hmm. this imbalance of teachers in charge, the people, mm-hmm. they were the ones that ran the school, they knew what was best for you and they'd sort of just deliver it to you. We're moving away from that, uh, our understanding of sort of brain theory and understanding and how that works and how we, how we learn best, but this actually really empowering the learners to say, you are in charge of this school, we are here 
to serve you mm-hmm. and it's we're not making decisions without consulting them and I think it's just fantastic to have a systematic approach to that a document that we can all refer to that we're all all able to just really promote that pupil voice I think mm-hmm. that'll be fantastic and I'm really excited to see what will happen with that as well Definitely. Um, another big positive for me was that the and I think it was is over twelve months ago now. I think it was mm-hmm. March that they were refreshed of last year. But anyway, very recently, and they've sort of been coming in has been the fact that the technology E's and O's have been refreshed, rewritten, and I suppose that's to come in line with it, moving away from ICT to enhance education, but it's moving more into a dialogue of digital literacy and computing mm-hmm. science, and I think that reflects the changes that are happening with technological yeah. advancements. Uh, and we had a, a huge focus on our uh, computational thinking in episode three, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, where we looked at that in depth. And I think that is so welcome that we've had that approach, the change in the, the E's and O's, moving away from IT-based learning to computing science yeah. and what that means for our economy and for jobs yeah. in the future. And our last um, positive thing, Jude, is that we as a country have focused hugely on developing the young workforce and also our positive destination. So we know that the purpose of education is to get people into a good ah, college, a good job. Is that the purpose of education? It's to get them into... Well, yeah, it has to be. Is it? Yeah. And the, pur- the purpose... The purpose of education. Maybe this is a whole other episode. (laughs) But surely we want them into, we want young people to get into a good job. Mm -hmm. We want them to be, we want them to be the best people they can be. Yeah, so the best versions of themselves, absolutely. And the only way they can do that is through education, I get that. But ultimately you want them into a, a positive destination. Yeah. Whether that's a job, whether it's college, whether it's university, a training place, doesn't matter. I know what you're saying about the purpose of education. What we do, do we have to be critical, is? though, I think, here of this language uh-huh. that's just used, like positive destinations. That's, that What does that actually mean? What do we actually mean by the, the purpose of education is developing the young workforce? I just... I mean, I agree. I think I think it is a positive, and I'm putting it in there reluctantly. I'll accept you putting it in there as a positive <laughs> thing. For me, I, I think I think the the focus that we've had on developing the young workforce uh-huh. has been um, disproportionate to saying let's just focus on creating well-rounded people where there is there is intrinsic motivation to do the best and be the best that you possibly can be now why do we need to label that with a positive destination no we don't but it's much bigger than that it's all about skills development it's why because we need skills for people if you didn't have any skills you wouldn't be in the job you're in just now we do you wouldn't have the the ability to adapt and to change like you are in a destination just now I am. You have developed skills for your work, which are transferable. If you went out and did another job. (laughs) (laughs) No, I see what you mean. I think actually, I think it is a very, it is a positive in that we are, in the, a lot of the language around developing the young workforce is about, it's about equity as well. So it's about creating. I mean, it's so much bigger than just DYW and positive (laughs) destinations. I think. Yeah, I think you need to get off your... I do, but <laughs> so maybe we need to have this conversation a bit more because I, I enjoy the 
the the critical discussion around the developing the new workforce because I think I think we need to be critical of the terms that are thrown around. Oh yeah, and listen, we're not here just to um, promote all the political terms that are being banded about. I get no. that, but equally. I fundamentally believe that, you know, part of my job is to make sure that young people do. There's no point coming into school, developing all these skills, getting all the qualifications you can get, if fundamentally you cannot do anything with those skills or Mm -hmm. those qualifications at the end of it. There has to be an outcome or a destination at the end. Yeah, but that's... that's, You can't just be an inquiring person and just be well-rounded and not have the, the social skills, for example... To get a job. Yeah. But then if we flash back 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't up to the child to get a job. Do you know, it's this, this dream that we're spinning that, that you, if you Who work, was it up if to? you work hard in it, the government to make sure that everybody has a job. Why should up to the government? It should be up to the government. We're going way off in a tangent. <laughs> it should yeah. be up to the government though we to don't ensure that there's employment <laughs> for everybody. Anyway. That's just evidence that Jude and I do not always agree on anything. And <laughs> don't staged. get us started at politics. That's a whole scripted argument. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, moving on. What's been challenging? I think we'll find oh, this bit a wee geez. bit easier. Yeah, I think we do agree <laughs> on this. I mean, I think we do. teachers' pay and conditions has been really um, challenging and continues yeah. to be challenging. I mean, I think you've seen nurses and other public sector workers get a pay rise. I don't think it's simply... You know, a pay rise that we need. I think the profession needs to be more attractive. Yes, so this is, that's the point. That's the nail yeah. on the head there. I think it's 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 not about giving us more money. No, it's because that doesn't help with no, the day to day job. It's actually about the the whole profile of what a teacher is and what a mm-hmm. teacher does, and that that profile of 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 who we are. And I think. For me, and again, I'll probably get pelters for this, but I honestly don't think there is a, a more important thing than education for it. For yeah, I agree with you. Prosperity for for mm-hmm. developing everybody. Do you know the whole kind of everybody involved in our society? I think it is the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So why is it that that teachers? across the country aren't being recognised for that and I don't think they are because they're, you only have to look through sort of opinion pieces and news columns and things to see the fact that we're in a crisis at the mm-hmm. moment and that teachers aren't wanting to come into it Yeah, we've got vacancies that are unfilled we've got low staff morale you know, the number of student teachers coming through yeah. isn't enough the to m- fill The number of people that come out of a job within five years Yeah, so we've got a real problem I think Yeah. in not just Scottish education, but I think education, certainly in the UK. And again, that's challenging for everyone at all levels, mm-hmm. though. It's challenging for vulnerable learners who, who have, for instance, have ASD, you know, they're on the mm-hmm. spectrum and they, the change is terrible for them. And they're going through four or five supply teachers in a year. Yeah. You've got, uh, for, for parents mm-hmm. who aren't able to make that connection with teachers to totally. be able to progress, it's, it's a nightmare for teachers because there's teachers missing out on... Uh, non-class contact time because of and they're covering the for their colleagues and the pressure on them Absolutely. and in a leadership level it's a case of putting out fires rather than mm-hmm. actually focusing on strategic development so at all levels mm-hmm. it's 
it's a real difficulty and actually it really does need to be addressed obviously it's very much it's being discussed at great length at the moment yeah. uh, by the unions but it's it's just it's a really interesting one that, and it's made it challenging I think for Scottish education yeah it's there's so much wrapped up in that and I don't think there's an easy solution either no. and I think if there were then we would see it by now I think it's not just a case of chucking money at it yeah I think there's a lot more to it than that yeah. um, but I do think that's a huge challenge that we've seen over the last Certainly the last three years, um, let alone the last year. And yeah. it probably will continue to be a challenge mm-hmm. in the year ahead. I think um, another, moving on to that, uh, the fact that there's, there's no matter what way you look at it, there's a reduction in services in terms of, obviously with budgets being cut yeah. and mm-hmm. less money in education, um, key services like services that address mental health, services for additional support for learning, various range of services across the sector there is so they're so heavily subscribed and oversubscribed that we're working with some learners who are waiting to see someone about a, a mental health concern mm-hmm. for for 18 months yeah and uh, i think that's just it, it's it's not acceptable and we shouldn't accept that and we should we should criticize that and that's challenging it is but it shouldn't for these things it shouldn't come down to money this mm-hmm. should just be something that's readily available all the time because if we are trying to reduce the attainment gap if we're we know how to do that like there's loads of ways that we could do that really quite easily but without the key services that are there that we've drawn on in the past yeah and i think it's not you know it's not a case in terms of reducing the poverty related attainment gap it's not just down to Mm -hmm. education there's so many other factors you know housing social work health all play yeah. all play a part in reducing the poverty gap, the entertainment gap yeah. without a doubt and I think unless we have that joined up approach yeah. we're going to reduce it by not as much as we could if we were working together and that together. Com- comes back to that point I know we started positively <laughs> in air we're on challenges yeah now. we're still okay. on challenges but when we're thinking about PEF yeah. and we're thinking about that bit about um Actually, if we're wanting to reduce that gap, we can't just be left as. But I mm-hmm. feel there is a bit of a burden there. That money, I know it's it's it's, it's kind of cheeky of me to say, "Oh, it's a burden giving us all this extra money." When I'm in one breath, I'm saying we need more money for these services. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of the point I'm making: is that actually, it shouldn't all just be coming to us. This money, this money should be used for all levels of society you know because Mm -hmm. i think there's a big problem with community centers being closed there's a big problem with libraries being shut down that were parks not enough parks being made there's like community police officers not being available it's not just down to schools and i think it's 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 a shame because there is this reduction in services across all sectors Mm -hmm. rather than just i feel that we're able to do more as education establishments do you know but actually a lot of what we're spending that money on is buying these services that were once there do you mm-hmm. know yeah. so buying in people that can help address mental health issues because actually that used to be a quicker or we could easily access things quicker than that do you know and I'm aware I'm not trying to criticise colleagues from any I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying what we're seeing is that there's there's not enough for the children in the services that we're looking for there's not enough there outside of school I think mm-hmm. that we need to draw on it's very challenging definitely um, 
I think another thing that's been challenging is the amount of change that there's been in Scottish education. And I think the the recent plans for a governance review mm. have not helped with that. I mean, whilst there's parts of the plan that you might agree with, I think the upheaval and the change in approach probably hasn't helped the fact that it's now been shelved in the Scottish Parliament. I think the fact that we've now got regional improvement collaboratives, whilst that's broadly welcomed, I would hope that wouldn't become another layer of bureaucracy. Mm. Um, you know, if that's going to help us at a school level, then great. Mm-hmm. Then we welcome that. If they're providing additional support, additional challenge that's different to local authority and different to Education Scotland and the Scottish Government, then that's great. Um, but is that just too much when we've just had, yeah. we've had the whole, in secondaries we've had the SQA changes, prior to that we've had all the broad general education changes, you know, all the assessment, the benchmarking, yeah. like you name it, we've had constant change in the last six years. So I think that's been really challenging for mm-hmm. teachers and that probably doesn't help when it comes back to teachers' pay, condition, morale and value in the role of a teacher. Yeah. There's there's a lot of challenges there, aren't they? There are. I'm just going to add another one. On. <laughs> just touching on what you were saying there about um, assessment as well. The introduction of the SNSA assessments um, has been really challenging this year, and I think again it's another change. A change as such in that we did standardised assessments, and we would we've we've all done standardised assessments in for years at a sort of local authority level, mm-hmm. so that we would have benchmarks at sort of key transition points throughout the year. The thing that was was different for me was that this was um, it was brand new. It was mm-hmm. different, and actually the results from it as well are very ambiguous, and it's it's you're not getting the those standardised results, so you can track data and sort of compare data so I feel that it was a huge amount of upheaval and a huge move away from teaching and learning time because it was new and it was mm-hmm. it was it was about working with the technology trying to figure out the assessments there was a lot of training lots of money has been invested in mm-hmm. the SNSA assessments do you think well. that will get better as we move throughout yeah so this, next this is the year interesting the year after Looking at it and looking at the data that you that you're getting from, mm-hmm. so once that has been standardised and once we are able to, um, really, we understand how it works. So next mm-hmm. year will be easier, and the year after, and the year after. I think for me, there's two parts to this: is is the understanding that for, I'm very much of the opinion that we need to reduce the amount of assessments that we're doing in school anyway. So I think I'm, I'm never going to be screaming from the rooftops about. Uh, and let's make these children do something that is really so far removed from mm-hmm. being embedded in any sort of teaching and learning that's happening in the class or or it's not an enriching experience it's mm-hmm. not it's something that has to get done and you're talking hours out of of a, of a learner's sort of time you know there but i think the other point on that though is that there is some really good data that you can get from it, you know, and it, mm-hmm. is a, it is a case of it focuses in on specific areas to do with spelling or writing or numeracy and math that you can focus on and it's really formative for the teacher moving forward. So I think in that way it's really good. There's not that ability to sort of teach to the test as such, but I think there is the danger there that people will begin to see that actually, well, these are the results that 
that the local, local authority will take. So these are the results that are important. Therefore, stress is put on at primary one, four, seven, and S3 because actually these are really important and these are the results that go up. So I think I think if, if as soon as you quantify an assessment like that and put loads of money into it and loads of focus and attention, it becomes so unnatural and synthetic that it's it just becomes problematic. And I, mm. I don't think you can completely eradicate that unless you say, let's get rid of formal standardised assessments, which is... Yeah, it's challenging, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about in early years? You're yeah. probably more aware of that than I am. It's another one, and again, I think it's... I was struggling whether to say to put this in as a positive or a or a challenge, and mm-hmm. I think it, I think it fits into both. Mm-hmm. I think the the move towards play based learning, um, in a primary one setting and a primary two setting, again, it's not anything new, and it's always been heralded as best practice. But there really is a big sort of paradigm shift, I would say here, in terms of schools, more schools across the country, uh are moving towards this within their primary one setting. So mm-hmm. there, there's lots of schools that are creating a one array, which is like a where nursery meets primary one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of staff being being employed via PEF. Mm-hmm. Um, so play workers or early years officers that are full-time in primary one to facilitate play, real um, child-led learning. Which is fantastic, mm-hmm. and I really fully subscribe to that, and I, 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 it sits with all my views on pedagogy and mm-hmm. uh, and, and the importance of early years. Of early years, yeah. Early intervention. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fantastic. What I think has happened though is that there's almost been a there's been a massive push towards it, both in literature and policy and and just in professional dialogue. But I, I don't think, I, I almost feel that we need more training, more development to be able to say this is how it's done correctly. This mm-hmm. is the best way to possibly do that. So more sharing of best practice. Yeah, I think, and I think evidence-based uh, yeah. work. And I, I only think it's challenging because it is a, it's a, a bit of a shift away from before or previously what maybe would have happened was a more kind of formal approach mm-hmm. to learn when primary one comes to you know so it's sort of literacy rotations and numeracy rotations and I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people w- that would argue that actually this has been happening for years and there's been the capacity to be able to do it for years I suppose what I'm talking about here is that that sort of mass shift towards play-based learning but it's really exciting, really interesting, and I think I'm only putting it there as a challenge. I'm not saying it, well, it's okay. a bad thing, I'm just saying okay. it's challenging to get it right. Yeah, okay. So we've hopefully gone through the last 12 months, highlighted <laughs> what's gone well, what's been challenging. What about the next steps? Next steps, yeah, this is the bit where we are kind of held accountable to say, what are okay, your you've whinged for the last <laughs> half hour, how are we going to fix yeah. it? Um I think for me, a big thing, or one of the big things I wanted to focus on when we're talking about this in the next steps is is creating this real culture of kindness across across the country. Uh, and again, coming back to adverse childhood experiences and 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 the the Portobello Learning Festival that I was mm-hmm. at, and a lot of people sharing the same message here about this just inclusion about nurture and inclusion yep. and actually realizing that we can't pick and choose the children that we want to nope. teach we we have the privilege of teaching the children that are in front of us the children that are in our communities and we have a duty and a, a moral obligation to be able to 
to help them overcome whatever barriers mm-hmm. that are there to learning for them. And I think we can only do that with this relentless, positive, kind approach yep. and so loving the children, positive. unconditional positive yep. regard. Totally. Exactly. And I think, you know, ultimately that is our job as teachers. Yeah. Like we spoke earlier about education and the purpose of education, surely in terms of the only way out of poverty or out of a really horrible situation and our adverse childhood experience, whilst we can't solve everything, we can provide a wee bit of hope at the mm-hmm. end of it. And actually, that's our job, is to build resilience in young people, to inspire them, to motivate, yeah. encourage them, yeah. until they achieve what they can achieve. And, and that you can only do that mm-hmm. if, if you're firmly in the belief that that you will just be relentlessly mm-hmm. positive mm-hmm. and kind and you will leave your ego at the door and you will not take anything personal because it's it's not personal. Any behaviour, anything that's negative that's coming towards you is is purely a form of communication and then telling you that they're struggling with something, they're asking you for help and you would never shout and scream at a child who's asking you for help in in a in a traditional way, can I have yeah. your help, please? And if the, if they tell you to f off and chuck a chair at you, then of course that's not acceptable. But what they're telling you is they need help, and the only way that you can fix that and properly deal with that at the heart of that is by being kind. And that's that's what I would like to see happening. Okay, well we'll see how your next step <laughs> goes over the next year. Yeah. Um, the thing I'd like to see is I would like to see a renewed focus on leadership. We focused a lot more. Um, on leadership over the last year, on teacher leadership, but also on um, middle leadership. We've had a real focus on that as well. Yeah. Um, I would like to see a reviewed career structure because I mm. think that's something that was probably a mistake when it was taken away back in 2001 under the Macron agreement where we had a number of layers of um, promotion within the, within the system and that made the, the profession attractive. Mm-hmm. It made people want um, to stay in the job. Yes, we probably should have kept charter teacher because we don't want everyone to be aspiring to be a head teacher. I think we still want our best teachers in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see a wee bit more focus on leadership at all levels. Yeah. Um, I and I think... You know, we're, I'm a huge, and I think we're both a huge uh, supporter of Scale and the work they're doing, but I think to help them do what they're doing and to provide a wee bit of an opportunity for staff across uh, Scotland, I think we need to reintroduce some sort of career structure that people can see a future yeah, in I teaching. I think that would be really welcome across, across the board because yep. I think there's lots of people that just think, well, management isn't for me. I mean, yep. I've heard that so many times. Yep. But if you think, well, actually being a charter teacher and the accountability that would fall on, yep. on a charter teacher to be able to lead and improve teaching and learning in their their locale would be would be great, obviously. And that's that's what we're looking for. But I totally agree. I think that would be that would go a long way towards making the uh, the the um the the job a more attractive one. You know, definitely. Um, 
I think another next step for me, and we've spoke about this, you and I before, but it's just a bit more rigour with the inspection process. Definitely. Um, about involving school leaders, yes, but parents and young people in that process as well. And the fact that we've that there's been a real lack of inspections, obviously, as has come to light recently. But that's... that's and I know it's um, it's strange to be saying I want more inspectors to be coming <laughs> in. Please come in. Don't come in in the first week in August. But no, but I think I think that's an important point you raise because I don't think we do we need inspections. Yes, I think yes we do yeah. because I think teachers want to know that they're doing things well and they want recognition yeah. when things are going well, but they don't want something done to them. Mm-hmm. So I think. The new approach to inspections, the fact that people are coming in and working in partnership with with pupils, with parents and with teachers, um, I think is a welcome thing. Um, I'm not suggesting we need an inspection you know, every two years, but some schools haven't been inspected in a long, long yeah, time. A decade. Um, and that's a whole generation of yeah. young people who've gone through a school if there are serious problems there, yeah, that is not then acceptable. what's happening? And I think, you know, it's maybe a bit about about what are we doing in terms of accountability within our system. So if the government or the Her Majesty's Inspector of Education are not fulfilling that role, are there opportunities for other people to fulfil that role? Mm-hmm. So if there's too much for them to do, do local authorities have a role there? Do the regional improvement collaboratives have a role? Do individual schools inspect partnership schools Mm -hmm. or cluster within the cluster? Do they do that kind of approach? Mm -hmm. I think we need to look at that because that's when we learn best, when we look at other schools that are similar to ours, we go and visit. Surely that is true collaboration. Yeah, and I think that, but that's it. It needs to be a more collaborative process because I think what's happening just now is it's maybe a, a deficit model or or a sort of validation seeking validation. Yeah. It's like it's okay, we've we've listened to everything that you've said, we've read all your documents, mm-hmm. we've done, we've never seen you, we've never spoke to you, but here's what we our best guess at what yeah. you're telling us to do is. And I think we need to move away from that because if you if you just flip that on its head and think right. I'm going to see a child in primary one and I'm going to tell them their whole kind of progress through reading. I'm never going to hear them read until primary five, but I want them to be excellent readers by the time. That's not, you couldn't do that. that, And if you think about it in a formative assessment process, you know, someone that's given you guidance, that's able to, and I think it is moving towards that model in terms Mm -hmm. of, they're trying to address it. This isn't me just trying to say I've got all the answers in this is wrong. No, no, what I I'm think saying it's is welcome. Yeah, definitely. It needs to be different. It needs to get rid of the scaremongering, mm-hmm. the, the we know best and we're going to tell you because actually there are too many stakeholders for there just to be one yeah. voice that comes in and says yes or no. And I think it would be better to have, and I know they're doing this already, to have current practice practising teachers, middle leaders deputies, head teachers on an inspection team. Yeah. And I know they it's are a big doing change that. that they're trying to it's a huge change. I know a lot of that. that is happening. But I really think that needs to be stepped up so that, you know, we can have a bit more confidence yeah. in Scottish education. And the last thing I want to say in terms of next steps would be freeing up a wee bit of more time to focus on learning and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that's reducing assessments as you'd mentioned earlier whether that's reducing all these compulsory reports you have to do, everything that actually doesn't have an impact on the children in front of you. 
we really need to have a renewed focus on our daily practice of learning and teaching. And that should be everything we do, everything we talk about, everything in staff meetings, everything in PRDs, all our professional learning should be focused on that. Yeah. And my real worry is that's just become... It's, it's a shame it's that that's become like secondary when you totally take in, secondary when you take in assessment, when you take in uh, all the other sort of bureaucratic things that, yep. are, that are essential, do you know, like yeah. child protection things, fire safety, health yeah. and I get, totally necessary and I understand why they're there, but actually when you look at everything else and all the paperwork and everything, when yeah. everything's done, you think how much time today or this week or this month or this term did I actually spend on improving or or making sure that there was excellence in learning and teaching, and that's the that's the real trick. And I'm not talking about that as a school leader, or just no. I'm talking everyone in that yeah. setting, and and the children as well, the learners as well. Like mm-hmm. how much time do they spend focusing on teaching and learning? Now, I think I think that's that's a real big one. I think that's that's a huge one. If we need to think about. How do we ensure that no matter what, that is at the forefront of what we're doing? Because if it's not, then we're not going to see the improvements either, do you know? No. Right. I think in terms of thinking about how we finish off our PRD... <laughs> Don't sound too de- No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Like, it's been right. good. <laughs> but... Uh, we need it's to your think summer about, holidays, remember. <laughs> <laughs> we need to think about the supports that we're going to need to... Definitely. To sort of and that's so important. ...fulfill these next steps. So, I would like to start by saying that I think we've kind of touched upon this, but I'm just going to go out with it and say we need to raise the profile of teachers as professionals. So yeah. we need to give them the appropriate pay. We need to give them the appropriate support. We need to make the profession attractive we need to allow them time to focus on learning and teaching. So we need to free up time in the system yeah. to allow teachers to focus on what they want to do, and that is to teach the young people. Yeah, and I think it's partly... With, so with that, hand in hand, will will be that, that growing understanding and awareness that teachers are professionals, that teachers are... That are, that are really incredibly well-informed mm-hmm. professionals that understand the stages of development, that understand cognitive science, that understand how learning and teaching really best works. And I'm not saying that we never want to be questioned on that, but what I'm saying, I think, is that if, if that profile was raised with, with everything that you've just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, if we were really attracting the best of the best that we're teaching for for years and really had a really profound deep understanding of what pedagogy was then then we would be confident i think at, at tackling a lot of the, these other challenges that we're Definitely. looking at and uh, all these other competing agendas mm-hmm. i think it would be a real a real strength for us moving forward i think another support that we need though is is focusing more on that community education and thinking about where where we exist as a school within a community uh, so say, thinking about um more support and engagement and and really trying to make that meaningful rather than just surface level or superficial that parental engagement because mm-hmm. um, that's the support that in, unless we have that support it's very difficult to make and that's it. the impact we have is we have young people you know 190 days a year yep um, from 
early in the morning to yeah. 3.30 in the afternoon. The biggest impact on young people is in the home yeah. and their parents. We need to have a partnership with parents and work together um, to deliver you know, the change that we've yeah. talked about throughout the challenges and the things that are going well. All these things will work really well if we're working in partnership with parents. Yeah. And I don't know if we've got that quite right yet. I think there's some really interesting things that we're seeing. And again, going back to the work with PEF, there's like parental engagement evenings, there's parental um, officers yeah. that are employed to work in partnership with parents, there's family learning um, centres. All that kind of stuff is really, really good, but it's a bit piecemeal at the moment. And I think sticking with the positives, in terms of support, I think working with parents. Yeah, and doing everything and anything we can to get that Absolutely. partnership to work. Yeah. Because ultimately it falls on us to, to, to create a system and an ethos and an environment that is welcoming, that mm-hmm. brings parents in. And that's us as, uh, you know, we, we are in the establishment that's needing to make that mm-hmm. happen. So I think it falls on us. But yes, I think that's the support that we really need to, to, to get. And the last support that I'd like to propose is that we need to have a wider partnership working approach um, so that we are equal partners with all agencies, whether that's health, police, social work, you know. Mm-hmm. Too often, education is seen as the, because we're the only ones who are involved on a statutory basis, we can't walk away from children, we can't, mm-hmm. you know, turn our back or give up on young people. Um, and that's not a criticism of the other agencies, but sometimes, you know, unless it's statutory, they try to work with someone or it all comes back to the the education team because yeah. we see them every day, so yeah. it's up to us. So I think a wee there's, bit of... There's barriers, there's, yeah. there's referrals, there's yeah. too many people on a waiting list. There's, I think that's the support that schools really we need desperately that. need. And I think we cannot solve all the problems and challenges we've set out on our own. No. And that's quite important. Yeah. And I think it's about reshaping the perspective that we take when we come to addressing the attainment gap, for instance, mm-hmm. and just addressing improvement and improving young people's lives in general, is that with even with the the best education system in the world, mm-hmm. the best teachers, the, the highest paid teachers, the most enthused and engaged learners in our school, if it's not right everywhere else, mm-hmm. it's going to fail. Absolutely. And that's why I think partnership work, we, we don't exist in isolation and I don't think, I think it's wrong for us and I think actually all too often there's this approach that teachers do or schools do try to do a lot and they maybe often overlook what's happening in their community because they're not aware of it because they're just working so much on Mm -hmm. their own you know so for instance they think right we'll do a cooking class because that might help children eat healthy and that might engage parents but as actually there's been a cooking class happening for three years at the community centre down the road you know and it's actually about how do we and I suppose here what we're trying to do is pose questions about how do we do Mm -hmm. this better I'm not saying I know the answer for it but I think thinking as in terms of aspirational thinking here, that's what we need to do. We need to not just superficially work in partnership with parents or with other external agencies. We need to think about how do we meaningfully do that systematically as well so it doesn't just happen for six weeks and then we're done. Um, Okay, dude, that's the end of the Scottish Education's PRD for this year. So we've made a note of the targets. We've made a note of the support that you'll get or... Scottish education will get 
and we'll wait and see how that goes. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do our PRD next year. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we'll, review it. We'll review the targets. Now, do I need to upload this to GTCS? I think so, <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time for our next feature, which is Inspired By. This is where we take a look at something that has inspired us. So, what has inspired you in this episode, Jace? Um, well, Jude, at the beginning of June, I went to the STEP conference in Edinburgh, so the Scottish Teachers Enhancing Practice Conference, and they had Sir John Jones. Mm. Um, so he was an outstanding speaker. Um, his focus was on teaching the art of the irresistible optimist. And that. he was just great. Like, I don't know, he's got a book um, called The Magic Weaving Business. And he he would refer to teachers as magic weavers. I love that. Um, and all his little anecdotes just bring that to life. Like, he's such an inspirational speaker. Mm. He's so passionate. He's funny. Um, he is just totally on a level that you can totally understand his experience. He's been a head teacher in three schools. He's from oh, wow. Liverpool. Um, he's now travelling the world doing um, kind of consultancy-based work and and inspirational speakers. Uh, he's just superb. Like I mean, I I've been inspired just by proxy, just by listening to <laughs> yeah. you talking about it. So what 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 was your big takeaway from? Oh, um, there's so much. Like so, he was just saying. Um, so for example, one thing he was like. Uh, so looking for the one like when he recruits or when he did recruit his staff he's looking for that very special person he's looking for someone who is gonna have a brain to solve it the determination to do something the heart to own it and the courage to see it so he is gonna do absolutely everything to get the best teachers Um, he's also saying that in terms of what he's looking for in someone, is someone who's got passion, someone who's got warmth and really is a people person, is able to build those relationships and we know how important they are. And also righteous indignation. (laughs) Someone who is absolutely going to focus on the best thing for young people and is never going to give up. And all of that combined, the relentless pursuit of excellence. I mean, how can you disagree with that? Like, I, at points I had tears in my eyes, at wow. other points I was laughing out loud. He was just such a good guy. Like, and was it just him speaking at the Just conference? him. And I think everyone should hear him. I, I heard him, I think, back in 2013 or something like that when he was at the Scottish Learning Festival. And he is by far the best speaker I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you know, it's funny, I, I heard him speak in my probation year. Uh-huh. And I, I had no idea what I was doing and I was too focused on uh, it was a Friday afternoon I thought and I was like why am I going along to this I've, I've got maths to teach on Monday and I still haven't found out where the toilets are do you know I was still <laughs> yeah. very confused uh, and it was just amazing and again I totally get that that positivity and he was really funny and engaging I oh, think the power good. of a, a, a motivational speaker mm-hmm. do you know uh, these kind of edutainers that, that we've all seen but when you're seeing someone like that who's lived it and breathed it mm-hmm. and is so intelligent and is able to articulate these thoughts it's just it's just amazing isn't he it he was so, superb and I would encourage you to read the magic weaving business um, 
What a great name for a book it's as great, well. Isn't I love it? that. That's and great. you would be a magic weaver. Ah, right. <laughs> I like it. I know you love your magic. <laughs> what about you, Jude? What's inspired you? This yeah, intri- a wee bit of a break from the usual format here, but we're both going mm. for an inspired Why by. not? And I think because we've both been inspired by a conference this month, and it was exactly a month ago today, actually, the conference. I went to the Porte Learning Festival at Portobello High School, um, it was on a Saturday, so it was in my Good own commitment. time. That's how much of a magic like weaver that. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was great. It was just, um, so it was about adverse childhood experiences, trauma-informed education was, was the real sort of theme behind things. Um, and it was um, David Cameron that was setting things off, and um, he's just such a fantastic speaker and, speaker and so full of enthusiasm. Yes, I do like so him. So entertaining, but also just articulates thoughts really succinctly, mm-hmm. unlike me. Um, but it was great. It was a keynote from Paul Dix, who writes the wrote the book, When the Adults Change, Everything Changes, mm-hmm. which, again, is just amazing. And I love that book so much. I'm working my way sort of through it for the second time at the moment, and it's brilliant. just absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, there was... Hal Roberts was speaking, uh, Ollie Firth from Pivotal Education as well. There were so many people there, but what felt amazing was, was that there was sort of two hundred plus delegates plus plus all the speakers doing doing their workshops. And the the whole message behind everything was just let's create this culture of kindness in Scotland that understands that there is a huge proportion of our young people who have adverse childhood experiences who are who are dealing with incredibly complex home lives and things that since they were born since before they were born mm-hmm. they are they are not able to to self regulate or understand keep attention for the same amount of time as other children yet they are still outdated outdated and archaic behaviour policies in schools mm-hmm. that that have children on traffic lights that tell mm-hmm. us that, that that we're embarrassing these children and having them up on red and we're shouting at children, we're using really quite hard sanctions and punitive measures to to try and bring these children back into line. And what was just so lovely was saying that all the research shows that that the one thing that can make a difference with mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences is having one key person that you can talk to, relate to, that trust, can help you, that yeah. can that you can trust. And I think that I I've not cried as much as that than since Dumbledore died in Harry Potter. <laughs> Genuinely, it was don't give that away. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but gen- it was just heartbreaking a lot of it, and I went through so many emotions. I was I was happy because this was being spoken about and it was articulating a lot of thoughts that I've had for years anyway I was angry that this was mm-hmm. something that we were having that's to say like, hey guys check out this new resource I know. kindness no like this is free this is this is written into the standards mm-hmm. being social justice about integrity being that person it's not okay to turn a blind eye to this yes. and I think the thing with you know adverse childhood experiences is we're not looking, we're not raising the profile now because we want people to pity young people. We just want them to understand what's actually going on and yeah. what they're coming from. You know, the fact that they're getting out of bed in the morning or getting into school and sometimes that's the only safe space for them. Mm-hmm. Like, we 
need to be doing more, mm-hmm. but we're not wanting to pity or feel no. sorry for someone because that does no good whatsoever. No, and that's not our job. Know. That's really important. And alongside that relentless positivity and a culture of kindness is incredibly high expectations Absolutely. for what these learners can achieve. High but support and high challenge. High support definitely. and high challenge. And that's exactly it. But I think what it boils down to, and for me, it was interesting because... Um, I mean, Paul Dix was great and he was really entertaining and fantastic and he asked you to sort of take a pledge for 30 days and do something differently for 30 days Mm -hmm. and it wasn't anything massively different but I was just being relentlessly positive, relentlessly kind Um, and it does have a difference. It has Mm -hmm. a massive impact and actually I would say that I'm a very positive person in class and I think this again isn't anything new for me but actually when you remove all ego from situations in a school when you think that I'm here purely at the service of these young people it's not about me it's quite difficult sometimes actually because mm-hmm. sometimes you want to have the last word or sometimes you want to say actually that's not right and call them up on it or you'd raise your voice a little bit but actually moving yourself out of that mm-hmm. starting from a place of understanding is just so powerful and it was just fantastic because everyone was saying the same message and so many people were enthused and motivated by it and it went wild on Twitter as well. It was just a fantastic day. Absolutely loved it. It was great. Go on. That's just so great that you've been <laughs> able to share that with us. Yeah. I'm pleased. And I'm disappointed I wasn't there actually. It sounds amazing. Um, okay, on to our last feature today and that's We Recommend. So this is something, a small thing you can use tomorrow in your practice normally but with it being the holidays it's maybe the next time you're working or a wee bit into the future because it's your holidays you yeah. can have a break just now so i'm recommending um matt ford's party political podcast so do you know matt ford um roughly but so t- a, tell me more so he's a comedian um he used to be a, a football um pundit um, used to actually work for uh, Tony Blair's government, I think was mm-hmm. a former um, advisor. Um, he is now a political um, comedian, he does Unspun on, mm. on TV, and he has a monthly or now weekly podcast. Um, he interviews someone um, in front of a live audience on a monthly basis and interviews someone just weekly in his living room. Um, so I'm recommending that... His next live show is at the Edinburgh Festival on the 9th of August, and his guest is John Swinney. So he will be getting an unfettered access to um, our Deputy First Minister and Scottish Secretary for Education. That sounds great. And when is that on? Uh, The 9th of August. um, I would check details and if there's tickets still available at edinburghfringe.com. And we're now at the end of this episode. Thank you very much for joining us for our PRD, for the PRD for Scottish Education, rather. It wasn't our PRD. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be embarrassing putting that out. To yeah. the <laughs> and as ever, if you want to follow all the latest news and updates, you can follow us on Twitter at EduBlether. And you can also check out our website that has lots more content. We'll post all the links um, we will also post um, more. Um, what am I trying to say, Jude? I don't know what you're trying to say. More links, more content. More links, more, content. More comment on. Comments, yeah. resources, um, as we get them under the Inspired by, we recommend. 
and our main feature of listening as well. Um, thank you so much for your support um, and please continue to rate us on iTunes or any other podcasting app that you use.